It, it really is a joy to be with you and to have you here today. Uh, I just want to take a few moments to share a passage of Scripture and, and then to try to, to maybe sum up in a few moments uh, some of the things that the kids have been learning all throughout the week. And some of you have been able to be here for the last couple of moments or the first few moments of the evenings to hear some of the things that we've been teaching. We are unapologetically, unashamedly pro-Jesus. And, uh, and, and we hope that was okay. You, you brought, sent your kids here, and we, we really did try to teach them about the love of Jesus for them. And uh, I'd love just to share with, with you for a few moments from a scripture and then some of the truths that I hope that all of us can maybe grab onto. This one's from the Gospel of Luke. And uh, some of you are familiar with the Bible, some of you are not. There's an Old Testament, that's the, the beginning part of the Bible, and then a little f- more than halfway it shifts over to the New Testament. These are the stories uh, about the life of Jesus, really, as we enter into the Gospel stories. There's four Gospels. I love to just teach this simple little truth. There's four Gospels. If you're ever interviewed by Jay Leno or someone on the street on TV and they ask you the four Gospels, I- I'd love for you to know the answer. It's Matthew, Mark... Luke and John. Let's say them together, can we? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right, you got the four Gospels. We're going to look at, in the third one, Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're going to look at Luke chapter 5 today. Just a few verses at the beginning of this uh, passage. And as I read it, I think you'll discover maybe some of the connecting themes that we're going to pull out here this morning. Would you stand with me? Uh, You can look on the screen and you can follow along. If you have a Bible or if you can get one... Uh, that's near to you in the, in, the, in the seat in front of you, then go ahead and grab one. You can turn here. But why don't you follow along with me as I read from Luke chapter 5. That's the big five, verses 1 through 7, I think I'm going to read. Yes. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around Him and listening to the Word of God, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. So this week, uh, again, I've been out of town, and I've heard that it's been really foggy and cloudy and cool, but this week was a beach week, was it not? Maybe some of you even got there. My folks were in town at the beginning of the week, and we got to go out to eat down at East Beach and saw the, you know, the young lifeguards and volleyball players, and everybody was out on the beach. And then this weekend, I was Friday and Saturday down in a meeting in San Diego, and I got to take the train down there. So, you know, we drove along the beach there in Orange County and San Clemente and San Diego and saw the people out at the beach enjoying a great time. Again, maybe some of you got to do that even this week. 
the reality is that when most of us go to the beach or get near the ocean, uh, we uh, experience only a fragment of all that the ocean has to offer. Am I, are you with me on that? Um, we like to stay on uh, the, the beach again for the most part, and if any of us actually venture into the water, we don't really go that far into it, and we kind of stay on the surface of this, this ocean. We went on Mother's Day, it was my wife's choice, not mine really, uh, or the kids, my wife's choice, we went to see the movie Oceans. Has anybody seen that movie? Not very many of you. It really was a great movie. Uh, rated G, family friendly, you can go. But the movie Oceans, it explored just the depths, just one of these great underwater sea uh, movies, exploring the, the depths of, of what really lies beneath. And they, they said a few things about that, that nearly three-fourths of the Earth's surface is covered in water. Maybe you knew that, maybe you didn't, but that's in- interesting information. And so much of what's under that water is, is just a great mystery to us. We don't even uh, fathom, and we can't fathom, all that goes on, all the life that teems underneath the surface of, of the ocean. Um, they, when they wrote about that movie, they said it, its stated goal was to put the audiences in the very heart of the action, racing along amid a school of traveling tuna, leaping with dolphins and swimming shoulder to fin with a great white shark. Yes. Ocean. We were one with the ocean as we watched the movie. Not really. Um, in fact, we, it was just another example of us kind of staying on the surface, right? Not really going down deep. Not really exploring the, the life and the mystery and the possibility, really, of, this, of what lies underneath this majestic ocean that is all around us. I, um, I love the symbolism uh, in the passage that we've read this morning where Jesus is talking to Simon, also known as Peter. And he's talking to him, and he simply, uh, we hear Jesus telling Peter there, after he is taught for a few moments, to put out into deep waters. Put out into deep waters. And you can put that up there, I think. Uh, and I'd love for us just for a moment, for a few moments this morning to think about deep waters. He, he had, again, Jesus had gotten into the boat with Simon, and he had kind of assumed it, just kind of said, I'm, I'm taking over this boat, uh, basically. He'd come commandeered it, and, and used it as a platform of sorts, and was beginning to teach. And then after he'd finished his teaching to the people there on the shore, he invited Peter to push out into deep waters and to let, you heard the story, to let the nets down for a catch. Now, um, the, the, the event really is dripping with irony, if you really think about it for a moment. When Jesus tells Peter to put out the boat and cast down his nets, this is the son of a carpenter. This is a rabbi telling Peter, Simon, a fisherman, how to fish. It's kind of like a pastor telling a CEO how to run his company or a mechanic how to work on cars, these kinds of things. Me telling you how to do your job. And yet, here's Peter's response. It makes it clear that though the conditions have not been right for fishing to this moment, he will act in faith and he will respond to Jesus' instruction and invitation to push out. He didn't know Jesus real well at this point, as far as we know. Um, he, didn't, uh, he knew that Jesus didn't know as much about fishing as he did, that was for sure, and yet he was willing to respond, willing to listen, willing to push out into deep waters in faith, to let down his nets. And what the story tells us, that Jesus uh, 
in a miraculous way, filled these nets with such an abundance that, he never, that, that Simon could have never expected or never even imagined. So much so that the nets began to break apart and he had to signal for his partner to come out. And, and even at that point, the boats both began to sink. This was a great day of fishing. Have you, many of you been fishing recently? Not too many of us have days like this. Right? When we're, out, when we're out fishing. A great day of fishing. But for Peter, the invitation was ultimately about a whole lot more than, than, than fishing. Than filling up his nets. Jesus had so much more in mind for him in these moments than to simply fill his nets for the day. He had a great lesson to tell. I, I think he was wanting to demonstrate for Simon, wanting to demonstrate for Peter here in these moments the, the abundance of a life lived in the deeps with Jesus. He, he was in a sense inviting Simon not only into deep waters, but into the, the depth of, of a life that is abundant and full of life and full of opportunity and full of mystery. He was inviting Simon in these moments, calling him to be a follower of his, calling him to enter into this, uh, this, this adventure, as we've called it this week. Look at the t-shirts around you, this deep sea adventure. Our kids, as you heard them say their Bible verses and share this morning how beautiful it was to, to listen to them. They, they learned this week about all sorts of things, about this deep sea adventure, the, the love that that Jesus has for every person, this invitation that He gives to each person to live in a relationship with Him, this opportunity to be uh, uh, forgiven and, and experience the grace of God. They learned to, to push out into the deep waters of service and, and offering of their lives. They learned that, that their lives can be filled with the provision and the grace and the abundance of, of Christ and the power that He has to offer. And really, the question that they were asked all week long and the question that that is really asked of us even here today is just a very simple one. Are we willing to hear Jesus' invitation to push out into deep waters with Him? We, uh, we may be like Simon today. We may feel like we know a little bit better. How could this Jesus know my life? How could he know what it looks like for me to, to progress and move forward in life? How could he know about what it looks like for me to advance and become the kind of person that I'm desiring to, to become? How can he really know what will make my life full and abundant and meaningful? And yet the invitation continues to come. It's coming to you. It's coming to me even here this morning. Will, will you push out into deeper waters with me, Jesus asks. Will you push out into this deep sea adventure where there's mystery and there's life and there's opportunity and there's things that you could never imagine. There's, there's, the, there's the hope and the possibility of an abundant life like you could never find anywhere else. That's the invitation. And for us here this morning, the reality is to, 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 to push out into deep waters or to, as we've been saying all week, to, to kind of dive in. We'll take some different looks for, for each of us. It will mean different things, perhaps, for you and for me to, to dive in. For, for some here this morning, diving in or putting out into deep waters will, will very foundationally mean entering into a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Very, very simple, but very powerful. Maybe you've been hearing your kids talk about this all week. We've been talking to them about the significance, the importance of not just knowing about Jesus, but knowing Him personally and allowing Him to, to fill our lives and to live in this daily, moment-by-moment relationship with Him. It doesn't matter if you're between the ages of 4 and 12 or 3 and 12. It, it doesn't matter what you've kind of been through or what your story has been to this point. The invitation for all of us is the same, to put out into deep waters, foundationally, primarily, before anything else in terms of entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I read a story recently of a man named Thomas Carlyle, and he wrote the book, I'm sure many of you have read it, The History of the French Revolution. Uh, but but he, he wrote this back in the day before computers or even typewriters were invented. So he wrote the whole manuscript by hand. It was about 1,500 pages long. And uh, it took him, I think, about three years to write and research. And when he had finished writing the, the history of the French Revolution, he, he gave it to a good friend of his, a guy by the name of John Stuart Mills, to, uh, to proofread and to edit. And uh, so uh, John Stuart Mills took the the manuscript and decided to proofread and edit it in the evenings by the firelight. And yet one time while he had just gotten into the proofread, he went on a trip and he left the manuscript there in a basket by the fireplace. And his maid, while he was away, uh, determined that the paper had been left there to help get the fire started. And by the time he returned, the entire manuscript had been burned gone. Not coming back. No backup copy. Are you with me? There, there, I mean, he didn't back up because he couldn't back up. Um, Carlisle found out about this and he was obviously not well pleased. He went into a, a deep, dark depression. And, and, and yet after just, actually after only about three weeks, he opened up the blinds finally in his, in his house and he looked outside and he he saw a mason, a bricklayer, across the street working on a brick wall that had been knocked over in front of a church building. And uh, for, for three weeks, eight hours a day, um, Carlisle watched out his front window, this, this bricklayer rebuilding this wall. Say it with me, brick by brick. <laughs> and Carlisle decided that if he could do that with this wall, so could he with his manuscript and so he dug into it for and began to rewrite and in two years he had written again his masterpiece which continues though many of us have not read it uh, to be a significant work the point is that many of us while our kids are these you know these fresh well yeah just great you know life full of joy and energy and everything is going great and 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 they're screaming about jesus and if you were here all all this week you heard them scream about jesus many of us we might be saying well that's great for them and i want that so much for them but my life all the pages of my life have been written and they've been read and they've been burned (laughs) And my life really is maybe not all that it could have been, but it is what it is. And so I'm just going to do the best that I can. The invitation from this story and the invitation of Jesus is, is, couldn't be anything more opposite. It's to 
push out into deep waters. It's to realize that just as that bricklayer rebuilt that wall, just as Carlisle rewrote his book, we can, as we put our, hands into, our lives into the hands of Jesus, see a whole new story of our lives being written. A whole new turn, a whole new direction, a whole new possibility for life. And again, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what the occasion of your life, even right now. The invitation, first of all, before anything else, Jesus gives to us is put out into deep waters, enter into a relationship with me. I want to forgive you of your sin, he tells us. I want to, I want to give you life, both now and for forevermore. I want nothing more than for you to enter into this relationship. And maybe some of you might want to follow your children <laughs> in the path that they have carved out for you even this week in coming to Christ and make that decision for yourself even here today. For others of you, uh, here's another little challenging bit for you to think of because putting out into deep waters for other, others of us with Jesus might really mean committing ourselves in a new and a fresh way to a community of believers, a community of faith to really put out into deep waters, to take some, some steps, some, some risks, some, some uh, you know, getting out of our comfort zones might mean to really invest ourselves in a, a family of God, an expression of the body of Christ, a local church is what I'm talking about. One like this, maybe this one or some other. But to put out into deep waters may mean that you would commit yourself in a new and a fresh way to a community of believers. This can be a scary proposition. I'm very much aware of that. And I, I just, it, it amazes me. i got to be honest with you. It amazes me anytime anybody shows up for church. When they don't, especially when they don't know anybody. And they just, you know, I've had people that are here even this morning. They just, they were driving by on a Sunday morning. And they just came. I'm like, wow, that is God at some way, in some level, working in your heart to get you here. And some of you, you know, your, your kids told you this week, hey, it's, it's not over till Sunday morning. You're coming on Sunday because I'm singing. And you're like, what are you talking about? And, and yet you came, and I'm so glad that you came, but I realized the difficulty that that can, that can pose for us to kind of come into a, a situation like this. And I really uh, honor you and recognize the difficulty of that. But the reality is, that, that Jesus talks about throughout his, the Gospels that, and throughout then the rest of the New Testament, especially the significance and the importance of belonging to a community of believers, being a part of the body of Christ where you can be lifted up, where you can be built up, where you can learn, where you can be shaped, but not only what the benefits you can receive, but what you can give and how you can contribute and participate and be a blessing to others within that body of Christ. It's a, it's a, it's a hard thing to think about opening up your lives to people, uh, to, to commit to actually being somewhere every Sunday morning, or at least a good portion of it. I mean, that, that's a big step for many of us, but how significant and important it can be. It was my, really my wife's life that models this for me more than maybe anyone I know. It was her mom, who was really a prodigal of sorts. And some of you have heard me talk about her before. Um, and she passed away, uh, wow, 20 years ago now from a brain tumor, but, but when, when Kyla, my wife, was about 10 years old, her parents were divorced, and her mom was somewhat of a prodigal. We, we, we heard that story this week, and she was kind of on the run. She'd grown up in the church, but she was kind of on the run, and uh, not really feeling like, 
you know, she needed God, but then when she got divorced and she kind of began to live in this other way, you know, apart from God, she began to realize, but I got a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old daughter, and I need to kind of get my life together, and I'm kind of going in the wrong direction, so I guess I'll go to church. She was divorced. She was, I mean, that was in the, you know, the 80s, and that was the black mark on your name, right? And so to, to show up in church and to, to expose herself in such a way and to, to try to, to fit in was, could not have been an easy thing by any means. But she put out into deep waters. She said, for the sake of my children and for the sake of me and because this is what I sense maybe God is telling me to do, I'm going to invest myself, I'm going to commit myself to this community of faith. And here's what I want you to notice. The, the, um, the fallout, in a positive way, from that decision. Uh, her, her daughter also found Jesus in that church. And then her daughter went to this college, Point Loma Nazarene University, where I was happening to go to college. And we met, and we fell in love, and we got married. I am so thankful. Without her mom's decision, she wouldn't have ended up there and I wouldn't have met her. That's a sad idea. It's a sad thought. So I'm very thankful for her mom's decision. But, but it's not just for my benefit, right? We had a couple of kids, and that, that's a beautiful thing as well. Then we got to come past this church and be a part of this community of faith. And, and then over 13 years now doing vacation Bible schools, we've seen hundreds of kids' lives impacted for Jesus because of Kyla's leadership in, in large part and with everyone else as well. But the fallout, the trajectory of her life that was, that was changed and the resulting, resulting change of trajectory of so many others' lives because of that one decision. So I just invite you, as you think about what the next steps might be, the deep water for you, how it might look like for you to commit yourself to a community of faith. Jesus takes those steps and he multiplies them and he blesses them in beautiful ways. Last one I just want to point out, I think the kids picked up on this week, is this, that putting out into deep waters might mean for many of us just simply taking a step of faith. And, and those first two that I've talked about are definitely steps of faith, right? To enter into a relationship with Jesus and to commit ourselves to a community of faith. Those are huge steps of faith. But others of us just might have other things going on in our lives right now that just will, are requiring us to put our trust in Jesus with with a renewed sense or with a brand new sense regarding a particular issue in our lives, to, to take a step of faith. Maybe some of us here today, I, I, I really, I'm not a mind reader. I don't pretend to say, like, I know there's somebody here who has this going on right now. But the reality is there's somebody here today, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know who it is, and I'm not trying to guess which one of you it is, but somebody here today who's caught up in some, some pretty gnarly stuff. I mean, and maybe it's a, a personal just habit that is just destroying your life from the inside out. Maybe nobody else knows about it, but you do, and it's just, it's just really destroying you from the inside out, slowly but surely. Maybe others of you are just caught up in a relationship that, that you know is not good. It's not healthy for you not healthy for the other person, perhaps. It's not healthy for your walk with Jesus, but you're just kind of caught up in it. Maybe you're, you're, you know, you're, you're caught up in a financial situation or in some other kind of crisis or issue that you're just kind of treading water through, but you know that you're, you're, you're taking the wrong steps, actually, right now. 
And if you're really to come face to face with it, you, you know that, that God would want you to take some different steps, some different uh, direction. But to be able to do that today, it will really require of you a step of faith. Because sometimes it's so much easier to do the wrong thing, right? For the short term. But in the long run, making the right decisions and doing the right things are so much more helpful and so much more positive. So to take a step of faith means to, to, again, push out into an arena of life where we don't know what might happen next. We, we don't really know what might happen if we were to actually do what we know Jesus wants us to do. We don't know what that fallout might be, but, but the invitation I think that Jesus gives to each of us as we push out into deep waters is to make it, is to do it the right way in a way that would be pleasing and glorifying to him, and to leave those results to him. I met a guy, or actually, I, I've known him, but I heard more of his story this weekend at a meeting I was at. This guy is probably 70 years old, and he's, I'm on this alumni board at that university that I mentioned where Kyle and I met at Point Loma Nazarene University, and so we were there, and we were kind of telling some of the stories of how we came to this, this college, and uh, Eddie was, uh, he's 70 years old, and he still goes by Eddie. That's one thing I love about him. Um, but, but he was, he, he was from Nevada, and interesting thing about Eddie, he was the son of a slot machine mechanic. I mean, that is an interesting job, right? That, that is, that is pretty cool. And so he was the son of a slot machine mechanic, and somehow from Nevada, he made his way to this at the time, this college that was in Pasadena, this Pasadena Nazarene College, he made his way from the Nevada uh, son of a slot machine mechanic life to this little Christian college in Pasadena. And, and, and his dad actually thought it was a really great thing for Eddie to be going to this little Christian college because he knew that he could develop his uh, musical abilities there. He was quite a piano player, and his dad was really excited about him becoming a better piano player because after he graduated, then he could move back to Nevada and get a job playing in a casino or in a bar. I mean, that, you know, he could work on the slot machines and his son could be playing the piano. That, uh, nothing against, you know, playing a piano in a bar in Nevada, but, but you know, that was the, that was the dream of Eddie's father for him. But Eddie got to Pasadena and he really began to make new decisions. He began to take steps of faith that included entering into a relationship with Jesus. That included committing himself to a community of faith and included moving in new directions in terms of that, his academics. And he went on to become, uh, to study history and get his master's degree in education at USC. And he became a teacher and then uh, began to move into administration and ended up as the assistant superintendent of schools down in Down Downey, California. And as I listened to his story, I just thought to myself, wow, here, here's Eddie, who very easily could have just said, hey, my dad's a slot machine mechanic. I'm a good piano player. Let me head on back to Nevada and just play the piano and make tips and play requests for the rest of my life. But instead, Eddie felt a call to something different. Not necessarily going to say bigger or better, but something different that in his heart would be more pleasing to God and his vision for his life. And so Eddie began to make little steps that maybe to his dad and others didn't seem so little that were significant. And those steps, do you understand 
the story. Those steps add up, and they add up. And 70 years now of life, here's Eddie still, whose wife just passed away last year, but here's Eddie still pouring into investing in college students and young people and giving his life and the countless students that he's impacted over his years of teaching and administrating in schools. What a beautiful story. And this is the result, my friends, of, of, of refusing to stay in the shallow end. This is the, the result of Eddie saying, you know, I like to feel the sand under my toes, but I'm going to get out and swim. I'm going to dive down deep with Jesus and see what adventure he has in mind for me. Can I tell you something? That all of God's plans for you and for me are good. He, he, he wants nothing but the very, very best for you. You might be wondering, does he really know? Does he really know me? And the truth that Scripture affirms for us is that, in fact, he does, and that he's working together all things for good for those of us who love Jesus. I invite you uh, this morning, with your kids who have done so this week, to very simply and very powerfully let the adventure begin. Let the adventure begin. Let's pray together. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? Oh, Jesus, thank you for this, this little snapshot into your life and your interaction with one of your followers, Simon Peter, there by the seashore. And uh, we know that it wasn't just kind of uh, an accident that after you'd done your teaching that you decided to invite him out to the deep waters. We know that it wasn't just um, something that happened, that, that the nets filled with abundance, but that in this very scene you were teaching some lessons that would not only be meaningful for that day, but are meaningful for us here today. God, a lot of us, we like to um, hang out on the beach. We like to wade in, perhaps, where the water is shallow. But we're a little scared, to be very honest, to go very deep with you at all. And yet today, as you've been doing all week long, you're inviting us as you've done to the children this week, you're inviting us to put out into deep waters, to uh, go with you on a journey, on an adventure, into this future, this relationship that is full of mystery, and yet is filled with opportunity and life and abundance. There's some here today who just very simply need to, need to say, um, I, I want to dive in at the very first step. I want to I put out into the deep water of a relationship with you, Lord Jesus. And uh, there's some here today, God, who just need to know the forgiveness of sin. They just need to know 
the life that you offer, both now and forevermore. They just need to know the depth of your love and the offer of full and free life and salvation. I pray that there'd be some even right now that would just say this simple prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I want you to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I thank you for who you are and for what you've done. And I want to commit to follow you all the days of my life. There's others who are realizing maybe again this week with their kids being here and just others who maybe have been a part of a church but have just never really recognized the significance of it, not just for them and for the current day, but for the future, for all the possibilities that might unfold because of our decisions even now to invest ourselves in a community of faith. And I pray, O oh God, that even right now you just speak to the hearts of people like that. And you just drill down deep within them that even though it might be very difficult, might be very uncomfortable, might seem very awkward, and even though the church is far from perfect because it is made up of humans, that you're inviting them and calling them to push out into the deep waters of investing themselves, of committing themselves, of both receiving and contributing within the framework of a body of believers. Finally, God, there's some here today who just know uh, without a doubt that there's a decision that they've been putting off or they've been ignoring that, uh, that needs to be made. They've been living in a way that's contrary to who you are and what you'd want for their lives, ways that would be pleasing to you. And uh, because it's easier. It's just, uh, it's just easier. And yet as we've talked and as we've heard your invitation to not always go the easy route, but to go the right route, um, they've, they've heard you again just confirming to them that, that there is a decision, a step of faith that they need to make. And so I just pray very simply that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd come alongside each one in that position and help them to do what they know you would have them to do. And I pray, God, that you would bring about the good, beautiful result that you have in mind for each one. God, what, a, what an amazing joy to have watched our kids, either our, our own children or to have been a part of this VBS throughout the week. We're so thankful for the adventure that these kids are on. And many have even begun in a fresh way with you uh, this week. And we pray that the adventure would begin or continue at a deeper level in our hearts as well as we live in step with you. Uh, we're putting out into deep waters, and we're thankful that you're going with us. We pray this in Jesus' name.